0: Hello,
1: and welcome to Peace is the New Frontier, brought to you by the Frontier Peace Advisors, your Libertarian Lobbying Association for Kansas. And I'm Bob Corkins, Chief Lobbyist for Frontier Peace. And this is an ongoing series of podcasts that we have uh, talking with uh, uh, legislative leaders and uh, activists in the libertarian movement uh, across Kansas. And uh, uh, as part of that, we've got a wonderful guest with us this morning, Christine Logan, who's uh going to share with her her experience, share with us her experiences in uh, working in the movement and uh, activity, uh, spreading the uh, uh, spreading the good word of uh, uh, freedom in Kansas. And uh, Christine, good morning. Welcome good to the morning. show. Thank you. And I might add that Christine is a, a veteran libertarian activist from Leavenworth, Kansas. She's the uh, past chair of the Kansas Libertarian Party uh very busy mother and a uh, business owner, and uh, we'll hear more about her experience. Christine, uh, again, welcome. Uh, let's kick it off by giving us a little history lesson. I think this is one of the best ways to always get started with our guests, and that is tell us about your discovery and adoption of uh, libertarianism.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to to share with folks um, you know, what my journey is um i i really believe that the ideology of libertarianism is is relational and understanding people's story is how we <laughs> identify and can relate and um may potentially start our own journey so um i was raised in a very traditional um republican uh household um with you know back the 60s 70s 80s time frame um i accepted that as you know my value system, without really questioning it other than um this basic uh need excessive need to know why, which uh, most of the time in that um era um was definitely viewed as as um uh questioning authority um and really you know i was under just trying to understand understand you know all the components in the world around me. Um, you know, and definitely it was, you know, miscommunicated and very, you know, not, not a unique story for most of us of, of our generation.
1: I think um, that sounds pretty common to a lot of uh, libertarians that I encounter is a natural curiosity, wouldn't you say?
0: Uh, yes, definitely. And I and you know, I, I would say of human nature in general, I think it's how we parent is whether we get that encouraged or whether we you know, don't encourage it, you know. So um, to me, I think it's a fundamental and and errant nature kind of thing. Um, And, you know, the, the fundamental part on the Republican side, at least, is the authoritarian place that, you know, by nature, again, creates rebellion. So you know, traveling up through that, just, you know, figuring out, you know, who, who am I and yeah. understanding, you know, me and, um, you know, how that relates to the bigger world. Um, you know, I, it taught me a lot of things that I didn't want to do, but not knowing what you don't want to do doesn't, you know, imply that you know how to go about and get the things that you decide you do want to have or even and, what are those options? You know, yeah, you can't you, know what you, you did, don't know.
1: You mentioned parenthood as, as one of those influences in there, too. Tell me tell me how that influenced your libertarian journey.
0: Yeah, that's probably the equal and satiable need is to be, is the desire to be the best parent that I can possibly be and understanding there's not an SOP. And so, you know, the first individual thing that, you know, I had to do is what does that look like for me? And um, you know, through my journey, I've learned you know learning styles matter, and you know my learning style is visual. I need to have pictures of that. I process in pictures, and then I can find words. Um, so, what does that SOP look like for me? The desires there. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. So, you know, doing that and raising my kids, and um, you know, moving through ad- trying to to do what. I knew how to do, which, again, didn't work for my parents, but it didn't, it wasn't working for me. So what do I do differently? And so that was, you know, another unique journey. Um, so about, I'd say, 2008, um, I had a daughter who was very more politically active than the others. And it was um, the election, Ob- first year of the um, Obama election, and she informed me she was voting for Obama. And up until then, I never really had, you know, my political leanings challenged or even a reason to reexamine them. Um, and because of the desire of wanting to be, you know, no better, do better, um, you know, we had a conversation. You know, what does that look like? Why do you want to do that? You know, what's the motivation? What do you think is going to happen? And just talking through it. How did you take
1: that? How did she take that conversation?
0: It was an amazing
1: conversation.
0: Seriously amazing conversation. She took it really well. This was the right kid to have this conversation with. Um, She's very logical-minded. She's very, um, you know, by that time it was, you know, raising seven kids. um, It's, you know, all about I transitioned from, know constantly hovering because i know you can do something wrong the authoritarian mode and trying to transition into natural choice consequence not hovering allowing mistakes to happen accepting that they happen um so there was no threat for me or her it was just a conversation did it Um, did it
1: alter her political views any
0: um i think after the election and when rubber hit the road to where she, what she saw in ideology that she loved the practical standpoint was very disillusioning to her. Um, primary from you know, reasons of force, oppression, um, you know, those kind of things. So it was um it did two things. A, it made me re examine why I believed what I believed and um I was in no better, do better mode. So Um, I was willing to re-examine and be self-aware and even change my positions. And so really it was probably a two-year journey or eight-year journey um, of her and I moving together, um, learning stuff together. So for me, it was an amazing experience. I hoped she would say the same um and well, really did you,
1: did you actually talk with her about uh, libertarianism using the phrase and what that meant? No,
0: not not initially because I didn't know. I had neither her nor I had any clue. We just knew what in the two party system what they stood for, and we really didn't sit anywhere. Once we kind of started reexamining, you know, what we really believed and understanding the practical application of it, um, so me being parent mode, I need to be the one that educates. So started doing research and my wow. daughter's very competitive. But so she started doing her own research. Interesting. And, yeah. and, we, and we would say, Hey, look at this or hey, what about that? Or hey, let's go check this out together and do that. And so that really kind of brought us into um, you know, the practical application of learning the logistics of not just in theory but you know the operations of things and how things really work not the you know ideology of schoolhouse rock
1: <laughs> yeah so you, so you discovered the philosophy together then is that yeah yeah uh-huh. that's interesting I'll, I'll contrast that with my experience with my oldest son who uh uh, I I I was very. I've been uh, uh, known I'm a libertarian for for decades, uh, and and found I think it's another story we'll get into probably another podcast down the road. But um, my son I think just picked it up through osmosis. Frankly, I was surprised. in, in the very same election you're talking about, the first one he was engaged with, uh, he just starts talking to me about Rand Paul in a long car drive we took together, and. I thought, wow, he came to it himself, and that's amazing, and I, I tried very, very hard not to, uh, you know, brainwash or indoctrinate him, but uh, I, my best guess is osmosis. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there you go. There you go. I, yeah. I had homeschooled for about two and a half years, so I kind of know what makes each one of the kids tick, because again, no better, do better mode, and mm-hmm. And I know that this, this particular one is, you know, very competitive. Um, you know, both two of my girls <laughs> were um uh most my strong will personalities, but also very involved in, in debate and forensics um in high school and that intrigued me. So I applied it to basically everything. You have you, you disagree yeah. with the rules, you bring your position to me. We'll discuss it. Understand though, you don't live in a democracy <laughs> that works outside of these four walls. But we'll go through the steps because I think it's a you know valuable journey for for all of us. And so, so it's, knowing it's that she's
1: come- yeah, so it's not just politics in a segregated uh, uh, zone of attention. It's it's really more of a, a, a lifestyle, right? Or a, yeah, a, a life philosophy, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think the life philosophy fits with the libertarian ideology because life philosophy definitely came first. It's just, where does, where do we fit in within, you know, our society? Um, And, you know, for, for us and strong-willed personalities and, and those that buck the norm, um, sometimes that's a struggle in that journey, but you know, it it is empowering in my opinion. It's not victimizing. Um, which again kind of goes back to the philosophy of, you know, libertarianism being about the individual. Um, so, you know, that, that was fun. It was great and it you know, it definitely made me think on the personal growth and awareness side of things. Um, I I am definitely a uh the Bible things Southern Baptist, and the irony of that is this you know, particular um, child of mine is agnostic. So there was okay. even, you know, that to come from, but she's also secularly pro-life. Um, and that even contrasts with, you know, the party platform necessarily. Um, so there was just tons of jewels for me to bond with my children. And of course, you know, with seven children, you don't do anything in private. So a lot of these (laughs) conversations, you know, happened in family functions and the other kids would, you know, while they're not as directly involved, you know, they passively got the information and some things would intrigue them. And at different points of their journey, they would become more passionate about some things because, you know, life experience matters. That's the practical part of it that, you know, tempers the ideology with, with reality, you know, ideology so he, is the plan, but
1: the devil's in the details, and
0: this we philo- don't live in
1: a utopian world. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sorry, but the, this philosophy is actually you, you've taken it even a step beyond, right? From uh, from politics to uh, life philosophy to even the uh, spiritual level, right?
0: Absolutely. Yes, because the fundamental crux thing for me is making sure I empower my children to be. The best human beings that they can be and help guide them in that process so for me parenting is not an arbitrary age it it, it journeys and looks differently and um, you know my children bless me with allowing me to have that type of involvement um, just like you know me being a you know, bible something southern baptist and and in, in that world, there's there's room for my children to be agnostic and have their own journey. And I'm very clear on my theology, theology standpoint of, um, you know, so Scripture tells me what how has to, has to deal with that. I don't demonize them. I don't cancel them. Um, and, you know, for me, that's the driving factor. But it doesn't have to be the driving factor for other people. And, again, that's why libertarianism is very good because it allows for that individual autonomy i'm not going to force you to believe the same way that i believe but the fact of the matter is we're a family and so what does that look like and how are we going to make that happen
1: talk to talk to me a little bit more about how you square the uh uh, the spiritual and theological uh uh, views with uh, the political view of libertarianism because aren't there a lot of Socialists and ultra conservatives who feel the same way, who feel like they're on the right side of God.
0: Yes, and there's room for them, <laughs> and I think I, I think you know Scripture allows for that. I mean, you know, so it, it, the the basic fundamental of Christian Scripture for me is free will. That's what I get out of it, bar none. Uh, I, God made me uh, an individual and but he also gave me mandates of what to do and the benefits and, and negative benefits and ne- and positive benefits of choices and behavior so you know I think salvation is the very first one um, you know, God does not force salvation on us it is a gift that he gives us and through our free will we have to make the individual choice to accept it and submit to certain mandates within Scripture. So there's no yeah. force.
1: And I think, I think you raise a very important point there. If you look at the, the theological uh, uh, approach altogether, it, I, it is one very much of individualism and personal choice, and uh, that's the only way that uh, a person ever does come the God through Christ, uh, but uh, again, there are, there are other uh, faiths. There are other uh, even parts within the Christian faith uh, that support uh, socialism. I mean, the the disciples, you know, operated very communistically, right, in the way they shared resources, and uh, uh, Jesus was uh, uh, incessant on uh, his, uh, uh, you know. Uh, Direction to uh, help the poor, uh, help the, the widows and orphans. I mean, there's there's a lot in scripture that could point somebody towards socialism, isn't there?
0: I I disagree. And, okay. and the reason I disagree
1: is because we well, have I'm to not, say I'm not to... saying I disagree with you either. I'm oh. just saying <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's
1: ammunition there, right, for uh, anybody to use to support whatever their political... Uh, Inclination might be right. Yes, yes. But but it's—I would say it's—it's the overall. It's the overall approach. The individualism uh, that was most persuasive to you, right?
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And you know, the choice that I did have a choice. If I, you know, in, in that example, what I see is the disciples choosing to submit to. Jesus's, uh, I hate using the word mandate, Jesus's instructions to take care of the poor, that's your responsibility. So in my mind, that says, okay, I'm accepting your gift, but I'm also choosing to accept the responsibility that I take care of my own. So. Mm-hmm. In in my perception, to me, that doesn't mean communists or socialists. Can an argument maybe be be made for that? Maybe, but well, I think we can make an argument on anything.
1: But that's that's <laughs> the key. That's the key distinction, isn't it? That the, the disciples chose voluntarily to yes. enter into that uh, type of uh, arrangement with one another.
0: Yes, and I think we can see a measurable outcome that is very successful by doing so so you know it's not just a bunch of hey you do this hey you do that i mean the why is there so there's you know that insatiable need to know why
1: <laughs> well and that's that's the uh, uh part that uh, a lot of people are are uh, at least more or more uh, socialist inclined folks are inclined to gloss over and that is the, the voluntary nature of that biblical example uh because you don't see much uh, volunteerism Uh, in a statist approach to government, do you? No,
0: not not at all. And I would probably say that is probably one of the driving fears that I have as it relates, um, you know, to my children, you know, why I do what I do. Um, If it was just left up to me, you know, in all honesty, you know, I don't know that I would change. There's, you know, no reason to change. So I'm very thankful that you know my children are willing to, to to question that because I grew as a person. I became a better parent through that process. Um and everybody benefited. So I don't see the downside to that.
1: Well <laughs> no, we're we're talking about we're talking about coercion, aren't we?
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, and, and whether the any particular view is coerced upon another people. And unfortunately that's uh, that's our political system today, isn't it? Isn't it even inherent in democracy?
0: Um, yes, I, I do think so. Um, the,
1: like the tyranny of the majority, uh, the democracy uh, uh, relies upon?
0: Yes, in a true democracy, yes. But, you know, that's why our forefathers had the vision of not being a pure democracy and that we are a constant constitutional republic you know where we say um in a secular perspective um hey these are the boundaries um and other than that be nice don't violate other people's right and sure.
1: <laughs> and that's, that's the beauty Choose who you uh, want
0: to get along with
1: <laughs> yeah and that's the beauty of the way our constitution was structured right it, it recognizes both uh you know, uh, uh the the group rights uh you know in a in a collective through democracy uh rule and it also in uh, recognizes individual rights that uh, uh, the Bill of Rights and other particulars where in which uh the few or even the one uh can have rights that uh, uh prevail over the rights of the many. Right? And it's a balancing that the constitution provides, wouldn't you say?
0: I had yes, I had a recent conversation with my son-in-law um, over this because he comes from a, a, probably a very authoritarian, um, you know, raising and uh, and initially early on, and I'm so thankful he's so willing to be honest with me about his perceptions. But um, early on, um, high school years, he in he thought you know my the family structure was very permissive. Mm-hmm. very liberal. <laughs> right. And and not, you know, and and I described it to him as um a family unit built on gothic architecture. Cuz yeah. again, you know, I think in pictures, right? And uh-huh. yeah. Um to to properly explain it, I have to paint a paint a picture. And you know, the the crux in, in gothic architecture is you have Equal pressure on, and I'm no architect by any means, but you know, the Netflix documentaries that's it. (laughs) But you know, the pressure on all the sides is what keeps it together without having to have you know, brick and mortar and nails and and all of that. And that is what I visualize um, our family unit and, and even society we need to have those pushbacks we need to have those occasions where we self-examine and re-examine and make sure that we're um you know properly uh, you know uh analyzing outcomes of of what we do and if not you know if it's not working don't keep doing it you know have the plan b and c in place and the sweet spot is somewhere in the middle of that where all that balances. So
1: the shopping
0: architecture was the best image I could give
1: of that. Yeah, that's good. And you do describe uh, uh, in that a uh, uh, pragmatism uh, and uh, uh, kind of a, an infrastructure uh, leaning to your to your thinking. Tell me, tell me uh, how how that's uh, impacted your your feelings on libertarianism that uh, that systems person in you. Um, how, how has that been an influence?
0: Um, well, it drove me to drink initially when it, um, it, it, it can, it has pros and cons. Um, it, it, it can be wildly overthinking to the point of diminished return. Um, so it needs boundaries for sure. Um, and it's probably one of the things too, that, you know, talking about, you know, the spiritual theology part of it, it, it through that journey, i learned that my gift definitely was teaching. Um, It took me forever to figure it out. Um, But once I figured that out and accepted that, um, it definitely helped put some boundaries on that overthinking. Um, And so probably, you know, when back in the 2008 era, um, when we first started coming into the um, actual party, the political reality of things, how things work, the mechanisms, all of that,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, that was the time I was like, lady, you were so naive. I was very schoolhouse rock. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, but even even education is uh is best when it's uh most personalized right that it, it recognizes uh individualism
0: yes absolutely absolutely and so um you know then you know i have a lot of the you know, not to jump to the, the one of the questions that i know that we're you know we're going to get into um you know as to um you know why um in over the years of the Libertarian Party being in resistance, um, you know, what what have we um you know, why have we not made more inroads? Um and really it's about it's about the journey. Um it's not that you have you know just this epiphany at one time and then all these things change. Um it's it's life experience. It's putting ideology to a practical application and seeing if your theory holds true. And when it doesn't, then what do we do differently? Yeah. Um, and that, for me,
1: that like a little engineer in your, in your makeup as well. It, it is. It's pervasive through everything.
0: It's why I, it's why I have the career that I have. It's how we run our family. It's my personal individual, um, you know, perspective. So, um, I feel like that, you know, in my journey I'm really kind of at that sweet spot now. Um, still willing to you know, be willing and to re examine things, but um really feel like that um I can be more effective as an individual in all facets of life. Sure. So
1: Well that that individualism and the uh 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 I you know, I'll just I'll I'll say party frustration. Something that uh, uh, was a topic of conversation I had with uh, uh, an old sage, a uh, uh, libertarian sage, that was a, an important mentor of mine. He he said to me at one point, uh, "You know, I'm not really sure this whole philosophy was meant to build a political party around." He said, "What in the world is the uh, the battle cry for libertarians? Individualists of the world, unite!" <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, "It sounds like a, a tough plea to build a political party on." Well, what do you say to that?
0: Um, agreed, definitely is, is, agreed. Is it like
1: herding cats when you when you have so much uh, individualist thinking going on?
0: Yes, absolutely, it, exactly, um, and I think that that's one of the things that we have now learned um, is that. And I think it's also differentiating um, the ideology from an operations tool to accomplish specific objectives. Um, So, you know, trying to force an ideology into a political party, um, good luck with that. Um, But we should have the proper perspective of what a party is, what it's for, and a documented expected outcome that can be measured. So it's a tool and, and really that's all it, it should be. And it doesn't have to be the end to end all. If you know, if the Libertarian Party isn't isn't for you. Um, I know there's a constitutional party, I know there's a veterans party, I know there's a there's all kinds of parties. Um, oh. you know, Go find the one that's right for you, plug in, and be part of the conversation. Because, again, well, that's part of that Gothic architecture.
1: We need you. There are all kinds of uh, libertarians, too, aren't there? Uh, I, I mean, you, you jump on any one of these uh, uh, numerous blogs and you'll hear and uh, read different people describing themselves as as anarchists or minarchists or anarcho-capitalists. Uh, there's... Yeah. A- There's a good bit of diversity even within the libertarian movement, isn't there?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And now, you know, I think we're moving into the realm of putting the pieces together. How do we work as a cohesive team for measurable outcomes? And in this instance, you know, getting candidates elected – um, you know that want to run under our party and support you know the mission and the overreaching goal of liberty, um, you know within the Libertarian Party. And I think you also have to think about you know well how why was there why is there even a Libertarian Party? Um, and I and we we see that you know the two traditional parties have moved so far away from. Um, You know, how they were defined in my generation, you know, back in the day, Republican Party was, you know, all about small government. Um, No, they're about big government, just different. Oh, yeah. I remember
1: that's that's what initially brought me to the Republican Party because they're the ones, at least at that time, that uh, stood for that government is best, which governs least. Yeah, uh, I haven't I haven't seen them live up to that slogan a lot in uh, more recent times.
0: Well, and, you know, think about how the Republican Party even evolved. You know, that was back in the day with, you know, the Whigs and the Democrats. And even back then, you know, they're m- much diverged from the party. What we knew, I you know, in our generation um, and the Republican Party was a third party um, and, you know, did have some of the same struggles that any, whether we call it libertarian, coffee, veteran, whomever, you know, party, third, other third party, um, has today. So again, it's a, it's an evolution of knowing what you don't want to do, but that doesn't tell you what you want to do necessarily, or give you the specific steps to get that exact outcome. Um, and they had their struggles and ultimately you know elected Abraham Lincoln and not to put him on a pedestal as you know the most ideal president in the world but i just to give the visual of the push pull and even quite frankly the push pull from his personal individual perspective um of you know what he would do from a personal standpoint versus what he needed and had to do from a legislative and governmental standpoint.
1: Um, so, well, there's a I, lot that libertarianism can learn from the, the, the history of the other two major parties. I mean, uh, even within the Democratic Republican party, there's a, a divergence of views, you know, uh, uh, social conservatives versus moderate conservatives or within the uh, Democrat party, the, uh, you know, uh, more socialist-leaning versus middle-of-the-road uh, Democrat, and uh, uh, you know, they're they're de- they're dealing with the same sort of uh, you know factions, you know, and and uh, uh, subgroups uh, that the uh, libertarians are dealing with. Is in a way, isn't that a good problem to have? Don't you want to make the party, you know? A tent that's big enough to to cover an array of uh, uh, different views. Uh,
0: uh, yes, in my opinion, absolutely. Because I think you know when we don't do that, we have what we have today in the cancel culture and the demonizing of people um, and the destruction of people's you know lives and reputations and um, you know the the level of force and I was proud that's probably the common denominator it's alarming yeah. no matter to me no matter what party you call yourself um, but the the level of force to silence the people's voices um, you know I follow Jasmine Walsh all the time I, I adore him um, and he's been put out several tweets um, over the past couple of days about you know we really don't have a representative democracy you know the debates and the amendments happen at the leadership level with a very handful of people, and it's basically yeah. shoved down their throats.
1: Oh, and, well, you see that at the Kansas State House as well. The leadership in in both chambers tries to try to micromanage and and quash as much of the floor debate as they can on on issues. But yeah. it happens at the congressional level as well. I and I've seen that a lot too. Kansas is is uh, very much a a microcosm of uh, how we see politics play out nationally,
0: and and we see that that's very dangerous, and have historical precedents of how that's very dangerous because you know that's not what they we if that would have happened, we would never have had the Revolutionary
1: War. <laughs> yeah. So, so what does the party need to do going forward? What, what how can how how can the uh, Libertarian Party improve upon its progress over the last fifty years? Um,
0: I I will say that um, that basically looking at, at what our outcomes have been, and I think we're at a precipice of this. You know, kind of starting with the two thousand sixteen election. Um, you know, probably one of the most organized and and media covered um uh elections from the libertarian nominate, uh, nominee standpoint that we've you know had in the history of of the libertarian party um and it 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 gave us a lot of information um it of what to do what 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 we did good um and what did not go so well um one of the biggest complaints um you know I heard and it was a frustration for me as well was it was really no down-ballot working. It was just all about Gary Johnson and Bill Lowe. Um, yeah. I, I don't care what the details were about it or blah, 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 blah but it it de- de- definitely had a negative outcome. Um, mm-hmm. When you look at Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen um, and their campaign um, for last year, um, they did an amazing job of working the down-ballot, and Spike's still doing it. Um, and, you know, spotlighting, you know, one of the biggest criticisms that we hear um, is, you know, hey, you know, work at the local level and work your way up. There's some valid points to that. Um, but most of the time it's very, meant in a very diminishing and marginalizing way. Um, well,
1: don't you think that the libertarians also need to have a lot more engagement in the lawmaking process? I do. And,
0: again, a lot of that falls on the state party piece of things. Um, I think we've – first off, they do a really great job at shutting us out. So, you know, there has to be an open door. And at the national level, um, you know, I think Justin, when he, you know, uh, transferred his registration to the Libertarian Party, really gave us that voice. And I think in just a short amount of time – we're seeing, you know, lots more collaboration um, with um, rebels in the other two parties that are willing to collaborate. So we see Tulsi Gabbard working with Justin Amash and and Thomas Massey working with Tulsi Gabbard. And, um, you know, there's really starting to be a conversation about, a trans, you know, transparency of what the actual problems are. Are and that we're not truly getting a representative democracy. So I think that is a great outcome from previous lessons learned. Um, Spike well, working the down ballot. And I think having the doors open to be able to influence policy is what we're going to start seeing happening.
1: Well, let's, let's talk for a moment about that, that down ballot activity in the, in the state of Kansas. Do you see any... Uh, uh, door opening opportunities for libertarian libertarianism at the Kansas State House. Oh yes,
0: I do. I'm just so giddy. Um or a <laughs> <laughs> I am so proud of Ned and the XCOM and I hope that doesn't come across as condescending. Um because it's definitely not intended that way. But it, they are doing such an amazing job of what the vision that we started creating um during my term um you know identifying um you know gaps and w- what what key people do we need and what key positions and um you know now filling those positions and um uh all that kind of good stuff and i I will say that um you know there was there is a um uh now state senator who is a uh democrat that um during my um uh transition when Ned was elected at our convention here in Lovenworth um he I invited him he's actually a personal friend I invited him um to our um convention for our social hour and bless his heart he showed up and my folks and him and some other folks that were key speakers, it it was just the best conversation. Um, so I, I do see even a willingness in the state how, um, you know, to have those conversations. Um, we have a political director now who's like a real-life person and not just a circle on a vision board.
1: <laughs> that guy, you're talking about Matt Clark, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so I'm really starting to see, you know, the organization um, and the people um, and the educated people, the people that understand the process the you know, people that understand um, one of the biggest complaints is, you know, uh, you know, well, I shouldn't have to do this and I shouldn't have to do that. I'm the individual. Well, I, you're absolutely right. However, if you want to accomplish a measurable outcome, you do have to work within a system. Um and knowing how to efficiently navigate that system, creating the relationships. Um, that's you know what I really see you know Matt well, excelling at.
1: Well tell me, systems person, uh what what are some of the if any yet uh, measurable outcomes you you intend to apply towards uh a state legislative process this next year? Um, from the party's
0: perspective, or
1: as far as right, defined? right. What you know, you're 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 all about measurements, right? And, uh, I,
0: am. I am. Return on
1: investment and uh, yes. how do we gauge progress? What what are those benchmarks going forward? So,
0: I don't know from the party perspective. I can't really speak, factually because I'm not part of the XCOM board anymore. So, I don't know what they have on their vision board. Um, at the moment, but,
1: but what I mean, things might you suggest as, as measurables?
0: Yeah, I, well, I think they're taking the right steps. So the 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 optics that I see, um, you know, with appointing Matt as political director and seeing what he did with his campaign and how he pulled people together and um, made a really good showing in 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 his race. Um, also, Olivia, um, as far as membership. Um, You know, to me, that's the infrastructure that needs laid if I had a reasonable expectation of next steps of, you know, creating those relationships. And for me, um, you know, watching Ned, um, you know, reach out to you guys and you guys start collaborating, you know, that gives me a visual that that's going on right now. I can't necessarily read, you know. I'm sure cannabis is on the, on the, um, forefront. Um, it's, you know,
1: whether it's oh, for the
0: Libertarian party or anybody else.
1: Absolutely. And we, we, we invested a good bit of uh positive, uh, and, uh, return on investment effort uh, last session that I think is going to pay off this next session. But, uh, and there are any number of individual issues we could, we could talk about, but I was, uh, uh, you know, pleased with the uh, discussion we've had this morning. Uh, you know, in general terms, philosophical terms, as well as you know, some of the the measurable objectives that uh, your own experience brings to the table. But uh, uh, is there any sort of uh, uh, what? You know, we can we can get into specific issues some other time. But uh, is there any sort of uh, messaging or theme or? Uh, I don't know marketing approach you might suggest for the libertarian movement in Kansas.
0: Um, from a from a marketing standpoint, um, really is going to be about oppressive government. You know, where the the you know again we can get into the specifics of that, but you know all the standard things that you know the civil rights or not civil rights, racism, oppressive government,
1: um
0: the you know, justice reform, uh civil asset forfeiture, all those things that are authority in nature that do violate our constitution, that do create um, you know, systemic victims. Um, you know, we've been touting those for for years, specifically in the state of Kansas. Um, I just think we're going to be able to have better influence the more organized we get and fill in key positions. Um, okay. just like you said, to just to be able to to influence policy. so from from an optics standpoint, I don't know that I would really change anything um, because I think they're they're putting out the right information. Um, it's just in the how to is where I see that you know we can have the most improvement um and again i see them making astronomical um inroads to accomplishing that um you know with Ned and Matt and Olivia i'm just i'm so excited i can't
1: i can't so, wait i'm just breath with the next announcement <laughs> we we certainly wish you well and uh, see uh, a tremendous amount of uh, common ground going forward uh you know we'll be continuing to hammer on some of our themes of peace and tolerance and uh, uh uh trying to reduce coercion uh as much as possible wherever it appears in government. And uh, uh very pleased to hear you uh hit on each of those themes in in uh the, the course of these uh, objectives. So uh, uh again Christine Christine is it Christine uh, it uh is,
0: yeah it's yeah, Christine so,
1: yeah. but I go by Chris. Right. Well, it's been so great having you this morning. Uh, uh you're you're a wonderful spokesperson for the movement and uh uh are you going to keep uh, uh remaining active in in party activities going forward or uh how do you see your personal involvement in the future?
0: Um I, yes, and I don't know at this point. <laughs> um <laughs> okay. you know, it's like opportunities, you know, come to me. I'm, I'm always wanting to, to help. I have to, you know, reconcile that with trying to grow a business and still wanting to raise a family and um, keep my husband of 27 years. And, um, you know, I I, do, I see that more of a support role, maybe, you know, project specific. Um, I tell Ned all the time and I pray that he knows this, if there's anything he needs from me. Um, all he has to do is call. If I can do it, I'm I will absolutely do it. Um, and that goes for um, you know you guys too, um, as well as you know work with other um, volunteer groups as well. Um, if there's a need and I can do it and I have the time to do it,
1: um, I'll do it. <laughs> so I don't know what that
0: looks like at this point. <laughs>
1: your, your your spirit is a is a wonderful wonderful influence to us all. I I really commend it and uh, thank you so much for your 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 all your efforts in the movement. Uh, so uh, thank you, Chris. I appreciate your time this morning. It's uh, It's been a wonderful conversation. Please stay tuned for uh, our next podcast, uh, uh, Peace is the New Frontier. And in the meantime, please check us out on uh, our website, uh, frontierpeace.com, and our various social media pages. So uh, uh, stay tuned, and uh, peace to everybody. And, and at this point, let's also say a great Merry Christmas everyone as well, right?
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Bob. I really appreciate the opportunity.